Almighty God, you who are so much greater than we can even comprehend, much less put into words. Father, we are unworthy, and yet by the blood of your Son, we are given access to come into your presence, to worship you, to adore you, and to sit at your feet now for you to speak to us. Lord, we need truth. We're as in a desert crying out for water, Lord, for truth that is pure and unadulterated, untwisted. Father, we ask that you to speak to our hearts and that your spirit would prepare us and help us to not only hear but to apply these things and to be changed. Lord, supply the needs of the brother, myself, who's speaking. Lord, I am so weak. I need your filling. Father, you know the needs of those who cannot be here. Lord, we think of our dear sisters and brothers who are facing old age and weakness and infirmity that would love to be here. We just pray for your grace and your presence and encouragement for them and those who are dealing with chronic illness. Father, our hearts go out to them. Lord, we pray that you would indeed grant them grace in your presence in this time. Lord, we pray also for those who are choosing not to be here, who are like Jonah and running from your word. We pray that we know that you're able to stop them and turn them around even as you did for Paul and Saul who became Paul, Lord, we pray that you would bring them back to your loving uh, fold. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I believe it was in the spring that uh, we meditated on Ephesians chapter 4, and we only did the first half of the uh, the chapter. So let's turn together to uh, the epistle of Paul to Ephesians and begin to read from verse 17 on. Ephesians chapter 4 from 17 to the end. <clears throat> this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness, but ye have not so learned Christ." If so be that ye have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Let ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Therefore, Putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. 
Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. The Lord bless the reading of his word. Let's kneel to pray. <clears throat> Dear Father in heaven, as we bow before thee now to give thee honor and to give thee glory and to ask of thee, we want to thank thee first of all for Jesus Christ, who is the difference between night and day, the difference between hopelessness and purpose and meaning, the difference between unending sorrow and joy. We thank thee for him. And even as we've read this word, this living word this morning, we realize that this is all possible because of him, because of what we have learned in Christ Jesus, what we know now, how he has changed us. And so, dear Father, we want to give thee thanks and praise on the basis of him and his sacrifice. Lord Jesus, be lifted up in our midst this morning hour. Be lifted up on this thy day, as every day is thy day, but this day we specially commemorate the resurrection from the death, from the grave. Lord Jesus, walk among thy children, thy, thy brothers and sisters, thy, the members of thy body, and help us, weak as we are, fill us with thy spirit. Give us hope and purpose so that we may be able to do the things that we have read, these things that are truly impossible in the, the natural man, in the flesh. The flesh that we, we read here also is all about me, about wanting and, and lusting and, and desiring and being greedy and being miserable and alone. Dear Jesus, we thank you for rescuing us Lord God in heaven, we hallow thy name now. We ask that thy will would be done this day and every day in our lives, in our midst, in our city, in the various neighborhoods that we are. Let thy kingdom come in our hearts and in those around us, that it would spread, that it would grow to thy honor and thy glory. We have many needs and, and petitions we can pray, and, and we ask, dear Father, for, for grace to be ministered to those that, that are in need of physical healing. Dear Father, touch them this morning. Help them on this quiet Sunday morning 
to have a sense of rest and peace in thee, those that know thee, that they would realize that the, their body is not, is just temporal, it's just a tabernacle, and that they have an eternal dwelling, a home in the heavens that should give them peace and, and, and joy and anticipation. Help them to realize that and to grab hold of it by faith even this morning. And dear Father, comfort them and strengthen them in their physical needs. We pray for those that are in prison and those that are shut in, dear Father, in many foreign countries that we don't even know of or we maybe have no personal contact with, but we, we do know and we have heard of those that are persecuted for thy name's sake in places like Iran or in China or other places where the government is actively suppressing. Be with them and help them, strengthen them. We pray for thy children in these lands too, in this good country and in in places that are have freedom to worship, but where the society is turning away from thee and is supported and led by men in positions of power and, and women that, that deny thy existence and turn from thee and reject the truth of Scripture. Dear Father, we intercede for them. We pray that thou wouldst be merciful to them. We, weak as we are, we wish to lift up holy hands and to intercede as thy people. Dear Lord, we pray for our children. We pray for the young ones that are just learning to walk and talk to those that are entering adulthood. Dear Father, be merciful to them too. In this good time, help them to lay hold in, in their own way and, and in the, the things they learn day in and out on what is right and what is true, that they wouldn't depart from it, that they would keep it and that it would grow in their lives. It would bear fruit. Dear Father, we... As, as parents and as those that love these little children, dear Father, we know that we are unequal to the, this task and we need thy power. Help us there too. Dear Father, we pray for grace now as the word goes out. We pray for clarity. Dear Father, we wish to humble ourselves and to acknowledge that we need this word. We need it to, do, to work and we need to accept this in a spirit of humility that we cannot receive any blessing if, if we think we have enough or we, we think even that we understand it of ourselves. Dear Father, we don't. We need thy Holy Spirit to reveal truth. We need the convicting and the prompting of thy Spirit within our hearts to help us. We humble ourselves now under this word and we say, come, Lord Jesus, be among thy people and speak. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Ephesians chapter 4, we've meditated in the past and looked into the beautiful picture that God has provided of how we are one, one body, and we all are enabled to, to come together and to be the body of Christ, and he's the head, and how we are joined together. And we've, last time we looked at how everybody is enabled and everybody is necessary uh, to, for us to be Christ here. 
But the remainder of the chapter, he gets very practical in talking about those connections, about what makes us connect effectively or ineffectively with each other. So we start off verse 17, if you're following along, um, talking about the fact that we have changed. We used to be uh, in the past as unbelievers, as Gentiles, as people who did not know God. Um, our lifestyle, our walk, uh, was we were blind to God. Our understanding was darkened. Uh, we, were, we were alienated. We were not connected to God. We were um, alienated is more than not connected. We were estranged. We were pushed away. And, and it talks about uh, the, not only ignorance, but the blindness. And it really reminds me of Romans 1 that kind of fills in the backstory about why we're disconnected from God. And it, I think it's appropriate. We just went through uh, the beginning of the month, the, the time of, uh, we call Thanksgiving, and Romans 1 talks about the process of how everyone, everyone here, um, everyone on the planet is aware that there is something more. It's a universal. Anyone you talk to, it just has that sense there must be something more. And where do I come from? And as they look and they see the, the creation, they know there must be a creator. It's just far too complex, beautiful, and intricate to have been a pure accident. It takes many years of schooling to try to indoctrinate people out of that obvious conclusion. And yet when we have that awareness, we have a choice. And Romans 1 points it down to the choice of whether or not we respond in gratitude and thanks to the God who has created us, and we recognize our obligation to the Creator, that we have a purpose and we need to answer to that, or whether we will have our understanding be darkened. And the Romans 1 talks about how that devolves, how that spirals down in, in, in sin, wickedness, perversion, um, uh, and, and the, all spiraling from this attitude of choosing not to acknowledge God in our relationship with him. Because when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, became vain in their imagination, and their, here comes very similar words, foolish heart was darkened. We see here understanding darkened. We see the connection. Professing themselves to be wise as perhaps our intellectual intelligence, you know, I can try to explain everything, you know, and, and, and come up with very sophisticated um, uh, high-sounding words that make it sound like I know more, but it's all, um, it's all a show. It's a sham. And we end up being given over to the lusts of our hearts and bodies to dishonor ourselves and so on. It goes into everything from homosexuality on down to murder and and uh, our attitudes that all come and flow from this rejection of God. 
And so here also, he summarized that in one verse, rather than the uh, 15 or so in Romans 1, saying that we, we because our, our understanding is darkened, we're blind, we're past feeling, we no longer connect with the greater spiritual reality around us. We don't even sense it. Instead, we cut ourselves off and we just focus on our feelings, our emotions. Uh, there's greediness, there's lust, and it's all, there's, no, there's no balance to it, and it's destructive. We destroy ourselves, we destroy our families, we destroy our society, because we have cut ourselves off from God, and this is the natural consequence. And we can look around and see that. But Paul is saying this, you know, that, that was your past. But you have been given an alternative. You have, that's not the Christ you have learned. If you have heard him, and why is he saying if? Why is he raising the question He's saying that if you really have heard Christ, if you've opened your heart and you've let him and his truth and he, who he is sink down into yourselves, then you would be changed. If you have heard him, you've been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. I am the way, the truth, and the life, he says. Then there will be a natural consequence that you make this choice. And he uses the word put on and put off. Uh, Again, very parallel to Colossians 4, talks again about the details and a lot of parallels because the, Coloss the people in Colossae needed to hear the same practical instruction as those in Ephesus, as those in Toronto, Canada. And I just want to point out that this is a choice. That put off, put on, is a choice that you make. Now, it's not something you can do without God's enabling, without God's power, without Christ in you. But it's a choice you can fail to make. You may have heard Christ, but you may grow dull. And we read in Revelations um, 2 and 3 about churches that were on fire and lost that first love. Churches that held to the doctrinal incorrectness and yet lost their passion, and churches that were right but lost their purity. So this choice to put off, put on, and I speak to myself, first of all, we cannot coast and ride on past. We need to choose day to day to put off and put on. So what do we need to put off? We put off concerning the former conversation. This is a King James word that means the lifestyle. Put off your old lifestyle, the old man, which we've discussed is corrupt because deceitful lust. So lusts, our passions, fool us. They promise us that they don't things they don't deliver. They make it sound like, oh, if you could only have that or do that, you would be happy. And yet you only have to look around and see those people who indulge those lusts and say, you know, what's the consequence? You know, the, 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 the celebrity who can and does do all those things, are they happy? Or have they been deceived into following a self-destructive passions? But, but that's something you're going to 
put off. You're going to consciously choose to no longer have that lifestyle that was only destroying you as it uh, was blind to God and focused only on what you feel like. And this is going to take a change. And verse 23, again, is very connected. The scripture is just so interconnected here. Every verse here, we can see how uh, verse 23 ties to Romans 12 about being renewed in your mind, right? Being transformed, not being conformed to the pattern of this world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a change in how you think. Because it starts with that inner man and then works it out into your behaviors. Much religion is about changing those behaviors. Yes, I'm going to work hard to put off these corrupt, deceitful lusts that are destroying my life. And it doesn't work because it's not a change that's coming from the inside out. It's an outside-in change. But here, the scripture is telling be renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness, true holiness, and purity. Okay, so this is the abstract, and now he starts getting concrete. What's the first thing that you need to choose to do as you put on Christ? What is it we read here when we read in verse 25? What's the first thing you need to do? You need to put away, um, put away lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. And if you read the, the rest of the chapter, a lot of it has to do with what we say, what we communicate. It's all connected to that. And in the context of how the body fits together, how we communicate with each other has to do with how well we are bound to each other, the mortar, how well we supply each other's needs, how well we let other people supply our needs, how well we exercise our gifts with each other. A lot has to do with how we communicate. And the first thing we have to put away when we communicate with each other is deceitfulness, is lying. And so we need to be authentic with each other. There is, there is lying like I can maybe uh, try to sell you something that is, you know, is, is not true or I can um, lie to get out of a situation so that you don't believe something that is I don't want you to believe. There is, there is the white lies of how do I look. There is the lies of how are you doing this morning? I'm fine. <laughs> Our, there, there, is, there is different levels of honesty. And what the scripture is asking us to do is to put away the desire to put up a false front or something that is there to deceive each other because we are it says the motivation the the the, the rat reason why that Paul gives is because we are members one of another if we're going to be a bod, the body of Christ and we are going to 
be supplying each other's needs as joints, as being tightly knit together, as being the body of Christ. And we don't tell each other the truth and say, nope, I don't need anything. I'm fine. How's that going to work? When you say, oh, I can't help you. I'm busy. Oh, I can't. Or, you know, if we are going to not be transparent about our needs and in, in, in our ability and honest, it's not going to work. The first thing we have to do if we are going to be members one of another is we have to be honest and put away deceitfulness. <clears throat> and then the next one is about anger. The very second thing here we're talking about, be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. So if we are members one another in relationship and we are open and honest and not pretending and deceiving, we're going to probably hurt each other. Well, no, you will. I mean, it's unavoidable that we will, uh, in close proximity, rub each other the wrong way and hurt each other and, and do things that are not fair or perceived not fair or we make mistakes and we, and we intentionally do things that are wrong. And then, of course, we shouldn't, but the focus here is how do you respond when you perceive injustice towards you from someone else? How do you respond to that? that? Now, the Bible is not... Um, the Bible is a very honest book. You read and it tells you about real people who made real mistakes and doesn't gloss over and airbrush them or put them into the stained glass images. It gives you Abraham's faith and his weakness in trying to deceive people about his wife. It gives you David's incredible courage in front of Goliath and his horrible sin with Bathsheba. It gives you all things. But here when we're talking about, um, about your feelings, you're not, we're not going to pretend that you never get angry and that injustice that you feel makes you upset. We're not going to pretend otherwise. The Bible's not going to say, never feel anger. That's not a realistic or honest way of dealing with things. But what do you do with that anger? That's the choice that you have. And that's where you're put on, put off, your conscious choice to use the power that the Holy Spirit has given you, the reality, the renewed way of thinking comes in. And the focus about being angry and don't let it become sin is what do you do next? And he says, don't hold on to that anger. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Do you stay angry? Do you, as we're going to get to later on, do you understand what you've been forgiven? Do you understand that 
you are the one who, who is the recipient of so much more than you're asked to, to forgive others. Do you under, are you able by God's grace to get to the point of speaking the truth in love? It's just earlier in the chapter, verse 15. We're not talking about, you know, pretend it's not a problem, but not holding on to the desire to see the other person be hurt and suffer just like they've made you suffer. That is bitterness. And that is malice. And that is the way the world works. And oh, you look across the Middle East and, oh, we were hurt. We are going to hurt you worse. Oh, we've been hurt. We're going to hurt you worse. No, we've been hurt. We're going to hurt. And when does it end? Generations, millennia. And that's not what God wants. That's where we, as the people of God, as the members, one of another, can show something different that is not the deceitful passions of not only lust but anger, of revenge, of desire to show myself worthy of more respect than you gave me and I'm going to show you for disrespecting me. It is because when we do that, when we hold on to those hurts, we don't put them in perspective, we don't act on trying to resolve things, we don't um, choose to forgive and when we dwell on the fact that I've been hurt, injustice has happened, I deserve better, that person deserves to X, Y, Z. What does verse 27 say? It's very scary, actually. Come up to Halloween. Everyone likes to talk about the occult and we... we, we Make it something light, something children can, can dress up and we like spooky stuff. I'm not we. I mean, the culture does. It should definitely not be we. But the devil is no laughing matter. Not something you can just watch in a movie or, you know, dress up in front of your house. Or The devil is a very real, powerful force who's desiring to destroy you. He hates God and he knows his best way to make God suffer is through you because God loves you. And when you desire to see someone else suffer, guess whose attitude you're sharing. Oh, now Satan has an ally in you when you want to see someone else suffer. But it's justified. And the more you think, and, and, and anger has a way of really capturing our minds, really burning detail, deep into our minds, the, 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 the reasoning, the rationality, the, the hormones, if you want to get into physical manifestations of uh, that, that drive um, <clears throat> the, 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 uh, the cycles in your brain. Biologically, emotionally, this is very deep-seated, dangerous, long-lasting, 
And it gives place to the devil in your heart and mind. Do not give room to the devil. You cannot afford to give him that space in your mind. Unforgiveness and, and, and anger that's held on to is so deadly. We, we, we can't toy with it. I, I don't know how to express it well enough. Please, the scripture begs you. This is not something that, oh, I deserve. Oh, how dare that person. You are on a slippery slope into the power of, of, of the devil who wants to destroy you. You cannot toy with that. Please, brothers and sisters, be aware. Be emotionally aware. Because this is a warfare for captivity. This is not a light thing. We see this is, this is the cosmic battle. This is you sliding into the clutches through resentment. We think, oh, I've got to, you know, put some pentagram on the ground and, 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 and offer you know, some sort of blood sacrifice to get the devil into my life. All you got to do is hang on to your hurts. That's dangerous. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor working with his hands the thing which is good that he may have to give to him that needeth. God wants us to be contributing members of society. Not mooches, not taking advantage, not uh, one that are actually able to bless others rather than leech off of them. And everybody has their own different way. It's fascinating to me when I look at, say, the Hutterites and how they, they, they have mentally handicapped people and people who have limited capabilities, but everybody has got a role. They're not sitting there waiting to be taken care of. Maybe they're picking up eggs or whatever they're doing. Everyone is contributing and part of that community, and that's what God wants for, for us, is that we contribute and give rather than take. Now back to what we said about this theme about what comes out of your mouth. Verse 29. Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace unto the hearers. What comes out of your mouth matters. What came out of the mouth of God on day one separated light from darkness. What came out of the mouth of God created this vast universe. Your words 
matter. Jesus said, out of the abundance, out of the overflow of your heart, the mouth speaketh. He says, don't worry about what goes into your mouth, he says, which the Pharisees were very preoccupied about. It's, that's not going to defile you what comes out of your mouth because it reveals what's inside. And that's really what you become guilty for. Because you've revealed. And he speaks of even murder. Do you murder with your mouth? Well, in again, Matthew 5, we see how anger is a progression to murder. And how Jesus is raising the bar. You've heard of old time, do not murder, but I say to you, who's angry without a reason, who says you're worthless, racha, they're going to be in danger of the council and the hellfire. Our words matter. And our words can corrupt. Our words have the power to change other people's thinking. And that's an impact that we're responsible for. And we might think, oh, you know, I'm just being witty, maybe a little caustic, a little sarcastic, a little bit, uh, you know, negative. It makes me seem, you know, more strong or respectable or whatever, or intelligent, uh, attractive, The question is raised here, is this useful to edify the person who hears me? Is this going to help them get stronger or tear them down? Is this going to help them become weaker, stronger and purer or more corrupt and weak? Is it going to give grace? Scripture talks a lot about the tongue. Proverbs is full. The multitude of words there wanteth not sin. How the lips of the wise bring healing and how the fool brings destruction. James says if you can control your tongue, you're a perfect man. That it's, it's uh, this little member that control has big impact. Just like the rudder of a ship has a small part of the ship that has huge impact, how it can set on fire, a forest fire. We've had forest fires this summer. You know, we've seen how the entire country, in fact, continent, gets affected by the smoke of one little careless flame. Our words have that power to spread and destroy or to build up and to encourage. And as members one of another who are here to be interconnected closely and build each other up. Our words are the way we connect to each other. And it matters. In the next verse, is this disconnected? Or is this in context? Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you're sealed on the day of redemption. Let all bitterness wrath, 
anger, clamor, that fighting, and evil speaking, speaking evil of other people, be put away from you with all malice. Here's the put off, and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit cares. The Holy Spirit is trying to work through you with those gifts. It's not like, okay, you've given this, do what you like with it. That gift that the Holy Spirit has put in you is not in your possession. It is the Holy Spirit active in you to bless other people. And when instead of blessing them, we curse them. When instead of, of speaking good, we hold back. We're grieving the Spirit. He's unable to accomplish His purpose. He's been placing us to the day of our redemption, and are we, are we bringing joy to the Spirit or sadness in how we communicate? Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking, tearing each other down, the malice, the desiring of evil for others, that is grieving the Holy Spirit. That is tearing down the body. That is letting the devil have a field day. Not only in you, not only in your relationships, but the watching world can say, is that Christianity? We see, you know, the, 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 the fighting over power and control in Europe, and is that Christianity as they saw for the Hundred Years' War and so on? Is that Christianity? And it lets Satan pull the wool over so many more eyes. <clears throat> but the final verse, we're going to put off all that negative communication and heart set what are we going to do instead? And here we get to two more, one and others. First one is be ye kind to one another. What does that mean? Be ye kind to one another. When I get frustrated, am I kind? Is that how I respond? When I'm under pressure, I speak to my own shame and to my own conviction. Is kindness only for sunny Sunday mornings or is that for the pressured day of the week when things are due and you're tired? Be kind to one another. Tender-hearted. Someone who's tender-hearted, that they feel they're full of compassion. First Peter 3.8, it's a parallel passage here again where he talks full of pity. is the same Greek word, are you, do you care? Do you genuinely care with the person you're communicating with? 
Does that come out? Is that why you speak kindly, respectfully, encouragingly, edifyingly to the person, even the person you need to forgive? Because the next thing is forgiving one another. Be kind one to another. Forgive one another. Forgive not because the other person is innocent. Forgive not because it was nothing and didn't really matter. Forgive not because you're strong and you can do it. Forgive not because that's the just thing. Forgive not because it didn't hurt. Forgive one another, even as God. For Christ's sake, who who paid the ultimate price, who hung on the cross in agony every second, holding on because he loves you. And the work was not finished, as we heard in the Ontario sing. He hung on through each agony, able to leave, but he hung on and won God's forgiveness for you. And that price was paid. And I who have done so much to hurt God, was forgiven. Am I, how can I not freely forgive my brother and sister? If my mind is renewed, if I believe, if I have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, if I have learned Christ, not from Christ, not his words, but I've learned Christ. How can I not do other than freely forgive as I've been freely forgiven? May the Lord bless his word. We heard a simple and a powerful word this morning. The question to you is, have you heard it? Verse 21, if so be that ye have heard him. We were reminded that words are powerful. They're important. They matter. I have to think of my colleagues and the people that surround me in this life that don't know Jesus. If I were to ask them, I don't think they would state that they're have their understanding darkened or that they're ignorant or that they have blindness in their heart. It's not until the word comes. It's not until they hear the truth, the simple truth, that God has in Christ forgiven them that they start to understand about the life of God and the, and, and the word and the power of it that changes them. And you think... It's just words. All This scripture, it's just words. The change, brother and sister, in your life, it was just the words that you heard that made the change, things that you were taught. If you had never received those words, you would never have been changed. This word is a powerful word that we heard this morning. It's simple. It, it, it can make a change. Think about how powerful it can be so that it control your, your thoughts, 
your, your, your mind, what you think about, how you deal with anger, what you say to other people. It's that powerful, this word. I pray we would see that this morning hour. We would take that. We, we would be changed by it. Each one of us, I'm sure, each one of us heard something this morning we realize needs to change in our life. Needs to, we need to put off and we need to put on. May the simple word that we've heard this morning that was spoken have, a, have an effect and have a power and have a change in our life. And in so doing, God's kingdom will come. His will will be done. With that, we commend you to God's uh, care and keeping.